Welcome to Thrive in Design, a podcast about making money in beautiful interiors as it relates to product-based businesses in the interior design industry. Each week, we'll discuss innovative strategies on how to approach product development and design sales in a shifting market. I'm your host, Nicole Lachey-Ben. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive and Design podcast. Our guest today is Pamela Durkin. Design is powerful and Pamela wants designers to step into that power. After 30 years in the high-end design business, she is now helping other designers create a business they love through her in-demand designer program. She teaches them how to be magnetic and attract the best clients. This method makes owning a design business easier and more fulfilling. Her book, Elevate, can be found on Amazon. Pamela Durkin has been a professional interior designer for over 30 years. She's a past president of ASID Florida South Chapter and served on the Board of Architecture and Design in New Jersey. She lives in Naples, Florida, and in her spare time, loves spending time on the beach and learning new moves in her home dance studio. I love that. I love to dance too. So welcome to the show, Pamela. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. So before we get even into all of that, let's talk about dance for a second. What's your favorite dance move? Well, I mean, I've always been a big fan of hip hop and popping and locking. That's kind of like the fantasy thing that um, I've grew up with and I love so much. And I actually did take classes at the Broadway Dance Center in New York City when I was younger and had no clue what I was actually the opportunity that was in front of me. So I kind of kick myself now because I think if I had the guts, I would have probably tried to be a professional (laughs) dancer. Back in, am, the, back in the day. <laughs> right. I think I'm in the same boat with you there. I was in a dance company back in college, but it was like something on the side and I did uh, interior design for the career. So you didn't become a professional dancer. And I did not. <laughs> went down the path of interior design and you've been a designer for over 30 years. So what actually drove that passion for you to pursue interior design? Yeah, so believe it or not, in high school, I ended up taking a home economics class and the teacher was an interior designer, a practicing designer. And one of the modules that we learned about was interior design. And I just was fascinated by the combination of creativity and technical skills that were required to do that type of work. And I had never really heard of that before been exposed to that before and it really just um, piqued my interest i was always into the arts um wouldn't say i'm like a great drawing you know classical artist but i'm very creative and i was always changing my clothes and doing crazy things to my clothes of much the chagrin of my mother But when I saw interior design, it just really clicked with me. And so right after that, I was pretty hooked and I ended up going to school for interior design. And um, she thought I was going to be a starving artist. And uh, (laughs) luckily that did not come to fruition. I guess if maybe if I was a dancer, I might have been a starving artist. But um, yeah, so 30 years later, here we are still practicing interior design. Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about your career. So what types of interior design have you been able to dabble in uh, over those last 30 years? So my first job in interior design was actually in 
commercial design. So I, I lived in New Jersey and started working for commercial furniture dealers. And we did a lot of work in New York City. And then also where I live, there was a big pharmaceutical community. So we did a lot of pharmaceutical work. And that was really interesting for me because it really cut my teeth on being super organized, working on rather large projects. I was on a special projects team that dealt with only larger projects. So I got to see the workings of, you know, thousand person moves and restacks and the complexities of commercial design from obviously a furniture dealer perspective and um, went on to a couple other positions in commercial and then decided to go on my own back in 2000 and then started really doing residential and commercial as well and have continued to do that throughout my whole career right do you have a favorite type that you do type of project that you work on well you know as creatives we get kind of bored is that i don't know if that's just me but i'm kind of like ah yeah so the (laughs) nice thing about for me to do both is that i get a chance to flip back and forth and it does also seem to work that way depending on the economy or what's happening in the world. So sometimes residential is hot and commercial is quiet and then it flip flops. I'm lucky that in um, where I live in Naples, Florida, the commercial tends to be very residential and feel which I do enjoy that part of it. Whereas when I did commercial work up in New Jersey, it was how many people can you of course get into this space by giving them the five by eight cubicles. So it's a little more interesting and a little softer and it, and it still really affects people on an emotional level here. Um, so I do enjoy doing both. Yeah. And so going out on your own back in 2000 and now it's 2022, a lot has yeah. changed in the world and the economy and the design yeah. industry. So how do you approach design differently because of that and also help other interior design designers do the same. So in terms of even like marketing a business, I I think that there's some fundamentals that have never changed and will not change, which is people do business with people and they want to know the people they're doing business with, meaning, you know, we tend to be very private people or as designers, we want to keep everything on the up and up professional. And we never really get to let people see what's going on, you know, maybe behind the facade of the business or the brand or whatever. And I disagree. I think that when you have a smaller business that people want to see who they're doing business with, I think if you have an affluent client, like I believe most of us do, they want to see people who are being um, entrepreneurial, who are trying to make a business work and be successful, and they want to reward that and they want to support that. So I think we should be encouraged to let people have a more of an insight on who we are as designers, but then also what we do in our spare time, much like the bio that you, you know, had for me, which talks about my dance studio. That's probably going to be the one thing that you remember about me more than anything, rather than the experience I have or the type of work I do. I will say that when my children were little, um, whenever I would meet somebody, I would talk to them about how we would go to 180 baseball games a year because my kids were both into baseball. And it was a big, 
commitment fight, you know, for our family, because just in time and everything. But to this day, years and years later, they've all they've both been out of baseball for at least five years. People come up to me and say, hey, are your kids still playing ball? What's going on with them? And and, you know, one of my children is going to probably stay in professional baseball in one way or another. But that's the type of connection that you make with people when you talk about things that are going outside of your design business. So I definitely encourage you to do that. Yeah. And then are there certain ways then that you tell like your coaching clients how to articulate that? So like whether that be in conversation or um, in their marketing strategies? Yeah. So I always tell other designers that I coach that the best way to market is to tell stories. So to tell stories about things that are going on day to day, a conversation you may have had with a client because other clients want an insight into, or I should say potential clients want an insight on what it's like to work with a designer and then specifically to work with you. So if you start to recount stories of things that go on, you're actually helping people make decisions on whether or not to hire you in the future. And I think that that is also very important. The other thing that I always encourage designers to do is a lot of times um, we're on the, we're being very proactive. Again, we're showing that super professional side and we're trying to be everything to everyone. And a lot of times when I start talking to them about the things they're passionate about, it may be other, other items than they're projecting on their social media or on their website. I have um, a designer I'm working with now where she likes to have people have a collected look in their in their homes and she looks at online sites to find antiques and old pieces. And And I said to her, well, that's that's nowhere on your site. And she's like, well, I never really, I never really thought about it, but she's like, I love it. And I wanna tell people how to evaluate something and how to, create a look that looks cohesive with collected pieces. I'm like, that's way more interesting than just talking about we work on new homes, right? right. So these are these are things that we need to dive in a little bit more on what do we really want from our business? What do we want our business to look like? And then how can we match that up to a client need? And it just makes us more memorable. Right. Okay. Awesome. So your business is super interesting. I find it really interesting because you've gone down this path of, you know, doing commercial design, doing residential design, and then also taking a bird's eye view on your business to see what works marketing wise and what doesn't. And right. then taking that knowledge and actually pouring it into other designers, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So do you find um, that you have a certain process that you take your clients through? for them to achieve success? Absolutely. So, you know, we kind of start at the beginning. We we do a lot of, you know, just like interviewing a client. You ever have a client where you interview them and they say at the beginning of a project, they want X, Y, and Z. And then as you move through the project and they learn about some new technology or something that you've brought up to them, now they're being educated, right? They're starting to learn about other things outside their own vantage point. And now they're changing their mind or they're crafting a new vision for what they want. So where you started, maybe when you got hired and where you end up is a new approach because you've both learned some things through the process. The same happens when you coach other designers. 
sometimes we don't know what we don't know and we're just getting through the day we're just checking the items off the list getting through the to-do just you know totally just running on autopilot and i want people to stop and think about what do i want this to look like what do i want this to business to do how do i want it to support me and so we go through those series of kind of discovery questions and then we go and start looking at the numbers what's profitable Where's your, you know, who's your best client? Let's craft that actual avatar. How do we know that? We're going to go by past experience, right? And we're going to start looking at some of the numbers. So taking that process and taking them through that allows them to see that this is viable in terms of scaling it and getting um, better clients and better projects as you start to be more thoughtful with your marketing. Yeah, I love that you're taking them through that process of discovery, right? It's super important. And Mm -hmm. something that I'm very passionate about is design thinking. And a part of that is research. It all starts with research and asking those questions, um, figuring out their personal avatar or their, you know, target audience avatar to really dive in on that. Because whether you're creating your marketing strategy or creating other revenue streams in your business or what have you, no matter if you're interior design or other, that discovery phase is like super important to get to get very clear. Yes, and I think that we're just, you know, we're kind of just go, 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 and we never stop. So I'm a big fan of you've got to take a little time and take a breather and let your brain, you know, chill a little bit to yeah. rediscover the things that you really have been wanting to do or meaning to do or hoping to do for a long, long time, and you've almost forgotten them, right? Right. And especially in the world that we live in right now with social media being like super fast paced and you see other platforms popping up all the time, I feel like a lot of times business owners, interior designers, even sales reps for manufacturers will be like trying to jump on the trend without taking that moment to pause and say, okay, what are we trying to do here? And that discovery phase that you just said before you even go to make a plan and implement um, based on the data. So I love that. Super important. Yeah. So after you go through that discovery phase and you're looking at the numbers, what is next in your process as you're working with your clients? So we create the avatar. um, And one of the ways that we create the avatar is basically crafting this person that you're gonna be talking to in all of your marketing. And we try to get as detailed as we can. In in my book, I do go through that process of what I discovered my own avatar was and you know, kind of created this persona and what were the things that were important to that person and why. And once you realize who you're talking to, it makes the process of creating content so much easier because now you know what you need to say, right? You're, ba- you're understanding that you're talking to really like one person instead of being super broad, you, you've narrowed your perspective. I think it makes it easier to, to do that. So you talk to your, you know, you create this avatar and then we have to look at where is that avatar hanging out? So again, to your point with social media, We don't need to be on all eight platforms or whatever it is. We just need to be where our avatar is or our referral sources that can get us to that avatar, which I think is even more powerful. So 
money many, many times like i have a one client that was you know a designer for 15 years and said you know that whole avatar thing was seemed really basic to me like i just he's you know he said i i know my avatar i've been in the business 15 years you know it just seemed like it was something that somebody should look at when they are first starting out i said okay then like a couple weeks later he says to me wow i i, I didn't even realize like my best client they're all lawyers and I shouldn't be on Facebook because the lawyers aren't on Facebook. They're on LinkedIn. And I was like, yes. So here's the other thing. Creating an avatar is not for somebody just starting out. It's for everyone. And your avatar will evolve over time. So every couple of years, as your business grows and you're taking on different types of projects, you're learning things about this client and or yourself or what you want from your business, the avatar will change and it will morph. So it's something that we do need to revisit every once in a while. Yeah. I also like that you touched on uh, the social media platforms and you don't have to be on every platform because <laughs> I get a lot of that on my end when I'm dealing with um, like sales reps of product manufacturers and they're trying to reach designers and they're like, right. Nicole, do I need to be on TikTok? Do I need to do this and this and this? I'm like, well, who is the person that you're trying to reach and where are they currently? <laughs> right. And that's where you should be, right? Like you right. said before, because um, people will jump the gun and try to do all the things when they need to be really laser focused to get in contact with their ideal client. Yeah, and we're exhausting ourselves. I mean, I think that's the other thing, you know, I think you touched on in the beginning is just, you know, we're burnt out and we need to find more balance. So why wouldn't we take a little extra time and determine where we should be and what we should be doing and then not be worried about all that other stuff that actually doesn't do anything for us, does not move our business forward and doesn't help, but just detracts from our energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so for your client that created that avatar, and realize that their top um, client or customer was lawyers. Yeah. Then they moved to LinkedIn. So how do yes. they then, or how do you go about telling them how to create a strategy to best attract um, that avatar on LinkedIn or their preferred? Well, website? one of the first ways to do that, of course, is to rewrite your profile. Um, so that is one of the easiest things. And you know, think about the personality type of the lawyer, right? They're generally a type A. Um, they want things done quickly. They want things done efficiently. They, um, they're willing to pay for it, but they also want it done right the first time, right? And so having a message that, that talks about how you can address things quickly and efficiently while they're doing what they're good at, you're gonna be doing what you're good at. The alternate, the other side of this is even one level deeper is what are you actually giving them? So you're giving them peace of mind, right? Something's happening while they're doing what they're good at. And then you're also allowing them when they have precious downtime, which is probably not a lot because lawyers work a lot, right? They want to spend it with their family. They don't want to be dealing with you. They want to be dealing it with their loved ones. They want to be enjoying their home. Right. So they want all of that to be seamless and thoughtful and they don't want to be bumping into things. Right. They want it to be well designed. They want to be surrounded by lots of great things that also support what they're doing in their off hours. So that's the bigger transformation 
that you're giving them. Um, this designer also, one of the great things about what he did was soup to nuts design. So not only full scope, but all the way down to the dishes, the linens, the silverware, the whole nine yards took care of it. Again, what a great selling point to someone who has very little time and doesn't want to spend it dealing with people outside of work, except maybe their family, right? Or their friends or whatever it is that gives, that de-stresses them. So yeah. that's the type of thing you need to be working on is your messaging and your profile to support all of that. And part of that too, is like articulating the value that you're bringing, right? That's right. That's the key in what you said um, in that messaging. So yes. tell me a little bit about your book and what it entails and how it really transforms somebody's experience as a designer? So in the book, I wrote the book a couple years ago. And in the book, first of all, I wanted the book to be easy to read. We don't have a lot of time. I don't know. If, and no one wants to read a war and peace kind of book. They want a book that's going to get them to where they need to be. So my book is like a glorified workbook. So I break it into small chapters at the end. I have places to write down some takeaways that you, you know, you felt were important to remember so that if you ever go back through the book, you can literally go to the end of every chapter and refresh the ideas so that you don't have to go ahead and reread the whole book. But the book really talks about my own experience and how you as a designer need to realize that we need to be better marketers. If we want to get off the hamster wheel of feast and famine, where we're like getting a job, putting our heads down, doing the work, and then looking up and going, oh, crap, I need another job. We have to be proactively marketing. And so it gives some tools and techniques to do that. It also talks about how, you know, running your own business is not a straight shot to success, right? It's got all these two step forward, one step back processes, including, you know, even now I'm still learning some things, trying new things, realizing, nope, I realized that didn't work two years ago. That still doesn't work. Right. And so I wanted people to realize that they're not alone in this process and that it's messy. Um, and so that was another big takeaway. I also wanted to let people know about the shiny objects that I myself chased in my own business, like a product line. I, you know, did a product line of purses. It's like a whole side story. I did a product line of outdoor art and and how that shaped me and and why I went back to design. Um, and so I wanted people to understand that too. Like as creatives, we get distracted. It happens to everyone. It's gonna happen to I'm you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're all like, yes, they amen. That's us. And um, and then I talk a little bit about how time is so tied to profitability. And I think that that really was a key in how I approached my business, um, how I said yes or no to certain things. And so that was really important as well. And so that's the, that's, you know, the basic ideas of what the book, the book touches on. Awesome. I love all of those things, especially the proactive marketing and the idea of saying yes or no to something um, when it comes to profitability in your business. So, the best day in your business will be the first time you turn down a client. Talk yes. about feeling empowered. You will feel like, that's the weirdest thing, right? To say no to something, you're gonna feel so good. But you do, you feel like you've, you kind of feel like you've arrived, like you're ready for the next step. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that. So with that, I would love to hear your story of when you first said no to a client. 
Gosh, or, there's or, been, or it's been a long time. Like, I've said lot. <laughs> I've, there's been lots of notes, but I'll give you a big. I'll give you a good one. Um, yeah. So I got approached by someone. It was a. It was a referral from a vendor. A vendor referral. And this client came in and they were building or they were renovating. I think they were renovating a really, really big house on Sanibel Island, which is a really nice place to live. And it was maybe an 8,000 square foot house. I think it was $5 million. And they were talking about how they wanted to renovate it. And I was like, well, let's have a first, let's first have a call, which is my first step in the process. So we had a call and I, first thing I ask is what, what style you're going for? And they told me, which was a sort of a Tommy Bahama style. Um, and that's not a style I work in. And so I was like, yeah. And then the other, you know, the other part of the no was it to get to Sanibel for me. I mean, by the time I go there for any kind of meeting, it's a half a day. I mean, there's just no getting around. It's just getting there and getting back. And that's just really not in my interest um, to go that far for something like that. So I had to, you know, I had to turn it down. It was yeah. a big job too. And it, it would have been lovely, but I just realized at the time that with the other clients that I had and the things that I was trying to do in my own business, it really wasn't a good fit. I do start off all my calls by telling someone, this is a call for us to initially get to know each other because rapport is so important. And if I don't think it's a good fit, I will tell you and I will try to direct you to someone that might be able to help you. And most people really do respect that. And so at the end of the call, I said, you know, based on the style that you want to do and the location, it just doesn't make sense for me to be the person on this project. And, you know, they were fine with it. Yeah. it I, I hung up the phone and went, oh, God, that one hurt. <laughs> that one hurt a little bit. Right. But, you know, but I got over it because then, you know, two days later, there was another call for another client that was just as good and was all the things that I, that I wanted it to be. Right. So and I'm sure it was a perfect fit for what your avatar is and who you like to work with. So I love right, that. Right. I love that. All right. So if somebody wanted to connect with you online, whether that be for design services, or they just mm -hmm. love what they hear right now and need your coaching as an interior designer, where can people find you and connect with you? So yeah, you can definitely find me on my website. It's Pamela-Durkin.com. Um, and all the information about design and coaching is there. Um, and my book and some other freebies that I have up there. And then if you want to connect with me, I'm pretty active on Instagram as well. I do a lot of funny videos. Um, so if you want to see me make a fool of myself, you can always go ahead and look at me there because I think laughter is a great way to learn as well as creative. So Definitely there. Also LinkedIn, Facebook, you can find me pretty much everywhere. Awesome. Well, I've enjoyed learning a little bit more about you today, mostly about the dance. Like, See, that's ever, what you're going to remember now. <laughs> right. If we ever meet in person, get ready for a dance off. I'm letting you know right now. <laughs> oh, God, you're probably going to win. I'm a little older than you are. so. <laughs> and then from there, I've also loved learning about how you've gone into commercial design, residential design over the last 30 years and really honed in on a process that you take your coaching clients through to achieve success in their design business. So thank you so much for being a guest. And thank I look you. forward to connecting more with you. Sounds good. We're definitely, we can do a dance off over Zoom, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we can do that. All right, thank you so much. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for joining us this week on Thrive in Design. 
Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Thrive in Design. And for more strategies on how your product company can innovate in the interior design industry, head to training.thriveindesign.co. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to create captivating content. See you next week. Thank you.